Welcome back guys to Scrubbed It. We're joining us today for episode 5. For those that are tuning in for the first time, my name's Abdul, this is Abs. We're both junior doctors in the UK. We set up the podcast to basically talk about our journey through med school, being doctors and life outside of medicine. So what's episode 5 going to be about today? Episode 5, we want to talk about medical school lectures, human dissections and also touch on insecurities that people face when coming to medical school. But we, before we begin, I think I'm to agree, I just want to give a massive, massive thank you to all our supporters, all the people that have been following our journey, that have been liking, commenting, subscribing, kind of, you know, promoting part of the Scrub In podcast movement. And I just want to say a massive, massive, massive thank, you thank you to everyone out there. Hopefully we continue to inspire you, we continue to entertain you and a source of motivation for you to go and pursue medicine with, with some good advice right doctors hopefully we want to give good advice and as usual at the end of the episode me and abs will give our free golden nuggets how does that sound that sounds perfect should we go straight into it then fine so tell me abs what you thought about med school lectures lectures were kind of mad when we started do, do you remember it when we on our first week bro med school lectures were like a whole different ball game like like the, obviously, you go in, right, and the teacher don't care who you are. Mm. It's like you just take your seat amongst 450 other people and you have to choose between the front row, the middle row, or the back row. <laughs> obviously, front row was the guys who are proper keen and on it. And then middle row is for those people who are on it, but secret, secretly mm. on it. That's all of us guys. And then you have the back row, guys. I think you started at the back row. Yeah, I started, I started from the back and I worked my way to the front. But nah, you never got to the front. No, nah, I'm not going to, that's a lie. I, think it's, I started from the back row towards the middle because I used to come in late. I used to yeah. always come in late. And that's another story. Um, and then as you know, you become accustomed to student life, come to university, you become a bit more punctual. And then obviously I start to move away to the middle row and sit with punctual. you guys. Punctual. That's a good word, you know, punctual. Punctuality. Yeah, so you know, with lectures, right, um, for the people who are actually going into lectures for the first time, the environment, it's essentially, what, 450 people or so mm. in a big theatre, just seats, and with a stage and a lecturer just going through slides. Um, you know at what, at first, right, I think I struggled with that concept, because you can't really interrupt a mm. lecturer like you can with a teacher. Um, teacher, you just put your hand up and you sort of mm. went, yo... What's, what, what does this mean or what does that mean? You can't stop a lecture and they'll just keep on ploughing through the topics. Mm. Um, and they'll go through things at lightning pace, I thought, at, at first. Um, so it's a race to catch up always with them and understand what's going on. How did you prepare? For lectures, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I think... Did you prepare? One of them prepare, but it's important to kind of, especially for the people that are not only in medicine, any other subject, there is a transition from how you were taught at secondary school, how you were taught at college, sixth form, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is in a classroom-based environment, max 30 students, if not less than that. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a lecture theatre, and especially at King's, our lecture theatre was at least 350, 400 people. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, the lecturers, they kind of do quickly go through the presentation, they do quickly go through the slides. However, the beauty at King's, I don't know if it's the same at medical schools, you get the lecture pack. Remember we used to get yeah, each presentation. Facts, yeah. And like an A4 piece of paper with all the different slides and you can make notes on it. And lots of people I know, they're prepared for it or they kind of went through the notes mm-hmm. before at home and yeah. then the lecture was to reinforce it or kind of give them a better understanding of things they didn't really understand. I didn't do any of that. The <laughs> first time I saw the lecture slide was a, the, fir- 
in the you know in the lecture in the lecture theater, starting at slide three slide three when I'm rushing to get into you know uni, um, but for me I think the medical lectures it made me feel like a student. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean like a university student? Because this is stuff you see growing up on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yo, I'm in a lecture theater. I got my little sheets, you know, and I and for me, I like my you know I I like to think I have neat handwriting, mm-hmm. and it was basically. I'm not gonna jot down any notes unless I feel I can write neatly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I remember like um, cause I spent so long taking notes. I used to always ask you because I think we used to sit and be like, "Yo, I missed the next slide. What is it?" You know, because you were quite good in terms of note taking and stuff like that, isn't it? I, I used to I used to prepare before, isn't it? So I was yeah. one of those guys that you're talking about. Mm. Um, so like you said, we got the packs given to us. What we we had what six months lectures. six months worth of content given to yeah. us in one go. Um, so what I'd do is, I'd personally think I need to prepare. So what I did was, before the lecture, I'd highlight keywords, mm. any language that I didn't understand. Um, I'd Google that quickly. So in the lecture, I'd focus more on the lecturer than the lecture notes. Mm. Um, I thought that was quite a good way. It helped me stay in front, ahead of the game. Um, I was always, sort of, I felt one step ahead. And the day I didn't prepare, I just felt like, I doze off in the lectures, I couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus, fell asleep. Um, but I had several roles in the lecture yeah. theatre. Do you know what? It just yeah. reminded me when you talk about the, the sleeping thing. So, in med school lectures or any lecture <laughs> theatres, there's what we used to say different roles, right? As if you're on a football team. So, different people play different roles in the lecture theatre. Um, so, I'll start off with one role. So, there would always be that one guy who would rock up at a nine o'clock lecture and straight off the bat, he's sleeping. <laughs> His role was to sleep throughout the lecture and he'll be like dozing off, right? So that was one role, the sleeper. Um, I would say my role was the distractor. I love to talk. I love to kind of mess about and muck about. So I would sit there and the two people that are sitting either side of me, I assure you would leave that lecture theater not having learned a single thing because I'm either going to be taking notes or I'm just going to be like, yo, did you see this? Did you see that? Well, go on with this and that. So I used to distract them. So forgive me, guys. <laughs> they know who they yeah. are. Um, no, what do you mean, man? I was one of those guys yeah. that I couldn't tolerate being next to you. This guy doesn't let me focus. I remember saying, yeah. now, nah, where's Abdul sitting? Yeah. He's sitting there. I'm going to sit either behind him yeah. or like two rows yeah. away from him. Um, that, that, that was jokes. Anyways, um, so there was that role, and then there was the other role of the guy who does the waking up and the shushing for yeah. everyone. Oh my days! Uh, the, I was part of that crew, but I think there was one other guy who would he would bust a switch, man. He would Is go it? crazy and yeah. be like, "Yo, do you want to just shut up or what? Yeah. Like, are you gonna let me listen?" <laughs> you got scared a couple of times. Yeah, that no, no. But you know that reminded me. Yeah, Adams is a snitch, isn't it? Basically. <laughs> This is off topic, guys, but listen to it, it's funny. We used to go after lectures or whatever to revise in silent study, New Hunt House, right? You know that little room downstairs, oh, yeah, yeah? the silent study. But these setup is like, you're allowed to bring in cold food or drinks, whatever, yeah? But there used to be the odd time when people used to bring, bring in this warm, hot container food, in it. Not but just it used to smell bit. McDonald's, spaghetti, like, so, so, full on meals, man. So, if we were revising and someone used to come in and they're making noise and the rustle, you know, when you're opening crisps and it kind of smells and it's really hot 
Abs used to secretly leave through one of the back doors, go snitch to the librarian, saying he can't concentrate, and then come back. And Uli here, five minutes later, Abs used to come down, pretend, you know, go back to his study. Light room coming and start shouting at these people, like, what are you doing? Silent study. You're out here bringing hot food. Can't you read this night? So, like, Abs was a snitch, innit? Let's go, Abs was a snitch. <laughs> I'm going to drop some good advice. Guys, when you go to the library in the silent study, please go in with only cold food and drink and just study, yeah? <laughs> Bro, you know when they um, came up with that texting line? Oh, that made my life easy. So I'd, I'd be sitting there, right? And I'd smell McDonald's again. I can't focus. So what I'd do is I'd quickly just text the librarian. <laughs> I'm uh, number three. This <laughs> blonde nah. hair. And the funny thing was, yeah, I didn't know he was doing it. I didn't know he was doing it because obviously I thought he was going up to go to the toilet to pick up a book or whatever. I think towards the time he's told me like, yo, like, <laughs> do you know why the librarian comes in? It's because of me. I go and snitch. I used to go into silence and to sleep. I'll be honest. I went there. I used to get my hoodie, make a little pillow and sleep. Now, not with the intention though. You went in to study, study. Yeah. Right? You were like, bro, I want to catch up with you. Yeah. I want to do three lectures a day yeah. and this, that and the other. And you'd sit there. And I'm like, ah, good stuff, he's revising. Yeah. And I'd start making notes and I'd look over my shoulder and he would be out cold. Do you know what it was, yeah? One thing I learned, and I think it's good, you know, for students, like, you have to understand how you revise, how you study. Mm-hmm. For some people, they're able to kind of study at, you know, at university and libraries and stuff like that. What I realised for me is I'm what you call like a night owl. So I revise better at night. I need the peace and quiet and I feel most comfortable revising at home. That's why... Even after six, seven years of med school, I was never able to have mm-hmm. good quality revision, good quality learning in silent study. Whereas for you, I think it was you could. That was a very optimal environment for you to study, isn't it? I Whereas thought that for me, was. I didn't like it at all. It was opt. You know what? It was optimal for me during the preclinical years because mm-hmm. that was my pure focus. But I think once I started doing lots of different projects and things. Mm-hmm. Then I decided that, you know what, the best place is actually home. And I became more adapted so I could then start working in noisy environments. And if I'm honest, um, it's very difficult to do loads of different things if you need a very specific environment. You need mm. to train yourself to be able to focus in noisy places, yeah, in a coffee shop, in a library. Um, I think So I, I think the first three years I spent in the silent study yeah. area and that was my optimal place. Yeah. And then in year three, when I started to pick up loads of different projects, get involved in societies and all sorts of things, I think I learned to then cope in noisy environments, in environments I didn't necessarily like. Um, so you have to adapt. And I think the, you, everyone needs to train themselves to adapt, mm. um, to be efficient with their time. Otherwise, time is just wasted and wasted and yeah, wasted. Yeah, I agree. Especially at university, mm. it's so easy to waste time. And particularly... Kings, I would say, is a very social university and you can easily come in, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, spend the whole day here, whole night even, because it's such a social environment, such a social yeah. place. You know, the library, you know, there was that one or two rooms where people study, but other than that, it used to be like a proper social environment. You, you go yeah. there, you chill, you know, you can spend easily two, three hours there, probably mm-hmm. not do more than 10, 15 minutes of proper solid work. Yeah. Um, so it's good to kind of find out where you best learn and be able to make time to do learning as well as doing time to do other things. Um, we can talk about time management and kind of how to make the most of med school later. So. Um, going back to the lecture now, so we've talked about the distractor, mm. we've talked about the guy who will turn up on time and will fall asleep, mm. knock out cold. Uh, we've talked about the role of the guy who does the shushing and also wakes 
individuals up when they fall falls asleep and then the, there's the guy who takes notes for everyone else yeah right so there'd be for us it was like a good mm. 20 30 of us that sat in yeah, one we area used to have like a shutdown yeah. election <laughs> so we'd sit there right and i think there was like i'd say four or five of us that actually took like good notes from what the lecturer was saying mm. um obviously important tip for everyone actually going into lectures as well um, a lot of the things that the lecturer says isn't necessarily important, but there are gems in what they're saying, and it's the gems that you need to capture, um, and how they explain certain systems that aren't clear on the actual lecture notes. And so those four or five would take really good notes, and after the lecture it would be, every guy would be on your case. Yo, Ams, you got those lecture notes from two weeks ago. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, the case, isn't it? And I'm just there like... That's two weeks ago, man. You want them now? I'm like, cool. Um, but you had a, those guys as well. So you had the, any other roles that you can think about? Um, so you the always had the people that would eat. Oh, yeah, that's a those bit guys, those guys. Because they're yeah. like chewing and some would chew loudly. And it's like the ones that used to get me, like chocolates and stuff like that is fine. I know if you're running late having breakfast, but it's like the crisps. Because even opening a crisp packet, it just rustles and it makes that weird Noisy, sound. And that yeah. just gets me. Um, and then smelly food, smelly hot food. Yeah, man. that was annoying. You had the people that were constantly bicker, um, and then I think there's loads of different roles. I'm sure there are other roles we're probably missing out. Then there was the people that would always ask questions at the end of the session, but yeah. they were the people that kind of used to sit at the front row. Yeah. They were really smart. I aspire to be like them. I left my school not getting not close reaching that to front that. row, <laughs> but but. Um, I think it's good. You get to meet a different variety of people. That's the, mm-hmm. the, the beauty of uni. You come to university and you see loads of different people. Oh, different people, yeah. And yeah. people are learning different ways. Then you've got the highlighter guy. Oh, the guy who highlights. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story and a little secret. The guy that we met on the first day that had like 20 plus work experience was the same guy that highlighted everything on the page. Literally, yeah. highlight, 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 highlight. And everything was in yellow and the words, stuff like and... Therefore, that went white. He's a highlight yeah. everything, but he was a really smart fella, and fair credit to him. But you had people that, and then you had the people that came with the multicolored stuff. What the? So they take notes in like, you know, orange and then green. Well, I did that. Then, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, man. No wait. So what we did was you know the, the basis of that. I used to, and I used to like the fine big pen, simple. You, what no, are you going to let, let me tell you the concept. Yeah, this is an important people. Important for the people, right? So you know them. They were the Stedler uh, yeah. multicolored fine liners, right? So what I used to do was my brain couldn't pick up a piece of paper that had all black writing all over it. I just can't process that. And the way I found out that I learn best is that I've got a visual element to it. Yeah. Mm. So when I've got a piece of paper that's coordinated, that's got pictures in certain areas, that's got mm. notes in certain colors, I can actually believe it or not, I can see that paper. So in exams, right, when a question asks something like, um, what percentage of people on X survey, do you remember that public health lecture yeah. that asked, what percentage of people are um, replied that um, they had back pain? Mm. Because I highlighted it certain colours, I could see the slide. I see, so you could, like a visual memory, like a photographic yeah. memory type of thing. Exactly, I could see that slide. I don't mm. have photographic memory per se, but... Um, relatively close mm. I'd say um, so I could see it because I studied it so much mm. that I could see that slide and so colour coordination helped me with that okay. now obviously people look at them and they're like what's this guy yeah because I see it's like why is he going to so much effort and length to change 
from one color pen to another <laughs> and make notes and like I used to think, oh, do you know what? I was, you know, like, I used to make sure it was neat and stuff like that. But you lot were just out here just doing most kind of stuff. But then it makes sense. If that's how you best learn, it exactly. allows you to retain information and remember it, then that is exactly. a good way of doing it. Your handwriting mm. is amazing, bro. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to mess it up. Yeah, so you can say, oh, we've done, we do color coordination. Mm. But your handwriting, you wouldn't cross out words. Yeah. You would just adjust it to make yeah. it look nice or turn it into a shape or something. Yeah. So, um Again, it goes back to the point of your own style. So mm. your style was really neat. Mm. You couldn't take it if it was wonky yeah. or if it was in the wrong line or mm. wrong order. You always had it perfect. Um, do you still have your lecture notes? Where are they? Like, are they still at home or did you like, burn them? <laughs> no. Why would you burn, burn your notes, man? No, because I'm um, going to go home and look I at them. I don't know. I've, mine are tucked away somewhere. But it would be good to kind of... Yeah. <laughs> we can maybe show uh, we'll show, yeah, we'll show the people on Instagram we'll or something it. oh yeah like on Instagram I'll get my notes and then we'll get your notes and then we'll show them. nice for them and they can vote which, who has the, the best has better notes yeah um, alright so with the lectures and everything let's just summarise this bit by giving some advice on what did you learn and how did you adjust your style to lectures to essentially cane it I think um, with the important thing with lectures I would say looking back in hindsight mm-hmm. is if you have the opportunity try look for the lecture notes before the lecture itself mm-hmm. because you do have the opportunity to do that try to get through it you just have to skim through it you don't need to learn it in depth and then when you come into a lecture theatre looking at it the sec- second time mm-hmm. around would reinforce it and allow you to learn things that you didn't particularly understand the first time yeah. around I would also take notes in a way that's suitable for you in a way that allows you to learn mm-hmm. and revise because you'll come back to these notes again and again for exams and I would also say um find someone that's quiet and knows what they're doing and takes good notes and sit next to them <laughs> because they will be your saving grace come exam time because they understand it and you can you know and avoid sitting next to people like me because i'm just going to distract you you're going to have an amazing time on med school you're going to enjoy <laughs> lectures but you but you will leave not knowing anything <laughs> leave so just you know lectures are an opportunity to learn and i like what he said mm. it's the gems it's the little stuff that ain't on yeah. the presentation slides. It's not in the books. It will be the professor or the doctor or whoever is giving the lecture saying it. And sometimes those are the very things that you pick up in exam. And exactly. Get so and it's, it's from their experience. It's not mm. from the textbooks. It's what yeah. they know from their sort of speciality. Mm. Um, going back to my tips now, um, I agree and I wholeheartedly sort of um, really promote that. Look at a lecture before you walk in. Right, it gives you that freedom of having to just sit there and just concentrate on the lecturer and to just look for the gems that he's going to give. Otherwise, you have to focus on a lot of different other things. Um, another thing is make sure you understand the language of medicine. Medicine is a language that can completely baffle you. That's true. Like, I remember having to Google before the anatomy lecture what sagittal, coronal, anterior, posterior, um, distal, proximal, all those words, you have to know what they should mean. I test you? What do you mean, should you test me? Anterior means the front, bro. Posterior. The back. Medial. Medial is towards the middle, obviously. And then lateral. Away from your body. Distal. Distal is away again. What? It is. No, it's so not. It's always, so if Medial you send, is towards you. Yeah, proximal lateral. is this way. Okay. Distal is that way. Okay, fine. Distal yeah. would be that way. It's fine, towards fine. the periphery. Away, and medial is towards the... Don't the test me, bro. Um, <laughs> corona. It's obviously the brain in it. <laughs> Which way? What do you mean to no, do with corona, the brain? Corona, it's, it's a skull. Straight through the middle. So it's like that. Which one's which? So corona is straight down and sagittal is that way. Is you it sure? Are you sure? 
Corona. Yeah, Corona is like a crown in it, straight. Yeah, 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 see, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Sagittal. No, Corona's like that, so if I cut you like that. Oh, cut me in half. Yeah. And Sagittal is cut me and then split me in two. Yeah, into two. Okay, fine. <laughs> Anyways, where was it? So I gave that. So look at it, know the language. Um, you know what? Get into teams as well. Not just find a friend to take their notes, mm-hmm. but like, I think you. There's always things that you don't understand that someone else does, or someone else mm-hmm. picked up something that you mm-hmm. you don't know. Discuss lectures. What did what did the professor mean by that? What did the lecturer mean by that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think learning teams. That's a good way. Um, and consolidate. What I did was I had the rule of three, right? And I found that in the short space of time, if I did the three, um, it consolidated that information and I could go back to it a lot later and remember it. Mm. So I would quickly do it before mm. the lecture. I quickly just glance at it. Right, I didn't spend an hour. I spent 15 to 20 minutes on it. Then obviously I counted the lecture as going through it a second mm. time. Okay, mm. So that's a full hour that I spent on it. And then I would spend another hour on it within a week, within a week or so, so that I've got it completed. And mm. that's in my sort of knowledge bank now. Nice. Um, so they're my bits. Right. Bro, you know, I just remembered. That story, innit? About, nah, which one are you that, talking about? The day, bro, the day you upset me like mad. Oh, I've got a different story. Right, say and that I just, story. And I just went home. Yeah, say that story. So basically, I've got this thing, I had this thing right in university. Like from whatever, what episode was it where you said about? I think the second or third episode. You touched on it. Um, so, I had this thing where I always wanted to have the latest jacket on, the latest shoes, the latest jeans, and whatever. So I made sure I had this thing where I needed to make sure my how I looked was pristine because that was my source of confidence, mm. right? And I think one day I came in with, bro, that was a very nice Zara jacket. Yeah. And then I wore boots. Like River Island leather boots, cowboy style boots. And they were nice and they look nice. And everyone said good things about me. Like everyone was like, you, you look, that's nice. But this one guy came to me and in lecture theater just shouted out, Yo, Ams, your shoes don't match with your jacket. <laughs> this was like a good three months in by this. So yeah. I knew you well as yeah. well. So you are a boy. Anyways, when you said to me, your shoes don't match with your jacket. I just became so self-conscious. You yeah. know, when you, I just became so self-aware. Now, I was a guy who was in lectures 10 minutes before yeah. it started, and I left 10 minutes yeah. after. I was the last guy to it. So I was hardworking. I was at every single... And I never missed a lecture. I missed a very few number of lectures. Anyways, that day, we had six lectures scheduled. Yeah. And I remember, because of you, yeah. you were the only guy. That, not even a lecturer made me go home <laughs> like that. I left. I went home. I went home. So I gave you a day off. You should thank me. I don't know why you're crying. <laughs> I went home. So guys, just to reiterate, he went to lectures and just because I told him his boots didn't match up with his jacket, he went home. <laughs> what do you mean? Just wow. Like, that's, that's that. my personal sort of like insecurity that you bloody right. came right. into, man. That's right. I, I apologize. But you reminded me of another story, yeah? Remember that time? So especially in med school, the first few weeks... After the, after fresh years, once everyone kind of recovers and you start to pay attention to medical school lecture and everyone attends and makes notes and you don't want to miss anything, right? Mm. Remember that time? So on Fridays as Muslims, we do like a Friday <laughs> sermon and it's between like one and two um, and we happen to have a lecture on the day. I still remember it till today. It was physiology and feedback mechanisms. Yeah. But, and if you remember, we used to sit as a group, so a good 15, 20 of us and 
this was a good few weeks in and basically we had a dilemma we were so keen that we didn't want to miss this medical school lecture it's physiology and you know you're not going to understand it if you don't hear it <laughs> explain it but at the same time we had friday sermon which is compulsory for us so you have to go and pray and i remember the tricks we did so basically imagine this we're like a group of 10 15 guys trying to convince the person, the imam who kind of leaves the sermon to rearrange the time to do the sermon at a time which is suitable for us after <laughs> the lecture so we can, you know, go to see this lecture. And this is like a mass congregation of prayer, right? There are a good hundred plus people and we're out here scheming and plotting. For like 20 people. For 20 people saying, no, bro, you have to change it. We're going to miss the lectures. You know, we can't miss any lectures. We're going to fill med school. We're going to fill the year. You have to change it. And... I remember, and this is a key thing about mentors and having people yeah, exactly. that have kind of gone through the system a few mm-hmm. years ahead of us. One of them sat us down and said, at the end of the day, and I think we touched on it, is there is no need for you to compromise your beliefs, your mm-hmm. morals. Yep. You don't need to, he didn't say forsake the lecture, he said you can still attend the prayer and catch up on the lecture and even still, if you're still worried about it, we will sit down ourselves with you exactly. and go through the lecture and even then after that we're still like no 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 we're gonna go to lectures and they were like we're gonna pray upstairs on the top floor so whoever went to king's greenwood on the top there's a little i don't know what it's called mezzanine or whatever right and we identified one of our own friends and we're like you you can give a sermon yeah yeah so we're like <laughs> we don't need to go to the, give the, a sermon. the sermon everyone else goes you give it because you have adequate knowledge um but it's good the mentor what what it kind of showed us like you know what there will be times where you miss lectures and things come up um, and it's not the end or be or you do that you shouldn't I would say compromise your faith your beliefs your morals and, and start changing things around and you know we all catched up at the end we were mm-hmm. to be fair it worked in our favour because we had this like a very small group session by one of the elder years teaching us about physiology exactly um, but I was just laughing I don't know what people are thinking but at the time it was just funny like we were doing everything we could just to change around because we knew we didn't yeah. we could have missed a sermon but at the same time we didn't want to miss lectures so exactly you know. <laughs> and mind you you have to remember so this goes back to exactly what you're saying i'm just reiterating it again um so for us personally that friday 1 to 2 p.m slot it's important even till now yeah of course right if we've got a 13 hour shift we'll take and we've just walked we'll try and take our break in that sense, so we can just work yeah. throughout the whole day, we don't mind, but we try and have, get that slot mm. free. And um, we try to rearrange all of our, what, what's important, we try to rearrange that to yeah. then adjust to the lectures. So and lectures, inevitably, you'll miss one or two, isn't it? Mm. You'd be ill one day or mm. something will happen. So you need to learn how to catch up on a lecture you've missed. Mm. The good thing is, a lot of universities have started to record their lectures as well. So you can actually just watch yeah, it later on. We, I think we don't have um, the first or second. It, towards the end of our clinical years, they had it. So like, if you miss it, you can always catch up on it. Exactly. Or you can always speak to other people or catch up with your mates. But recorders. We always had yeah, guys who used to walk in with recorders and they'd record it. And you can just ask them, can I have a copy of that? Recording. Again, work as a team. It's a family. It's not a dog-eat-dog world. Mm. Um, I think that's another story for another time. But yeah. I, I've got this personal feeling that... Everyone at university tries to make it a dog-eat-dog world. Yeah. It's not that at all. Um, but yeah, so if you miss a lecture, it's not the end of the world. Find a mentor who can go through it, catch up through other means, ask for recordings, um, but continue with what's important to you. So we kind of talked about med school lectures. Mm-hmm. The other exciting thing that we, were, you know, we had the amazing opportunity to do was human dissections. And bear in mind, King's is one of the few universities that allow you to do it. 
So what did you think about human dissections? Or it might be worth you know telling the viewers what human dissections is first and yeah. then kind of going on about your opinions about um, it. So for the viewers, um, what is human dissection? Not all, univers- not all universities do it, no. do they? So there's human dissections and processions. Yeah. Um, so King's and amongst other universities do human dissections. So what it is is that there are individuals who have actually dedicated and donated their body following death um, to univers- uh, universities for medical education. And so medical students, along with a surgical trainee, so there will be a surgical yeah. trainee, um, we both get to learn together um, and dissect a body to look at the anatomy. So, and that's the whole anatomy. So in different years, you do different bits. So you'd go through the chest, you'd go through the abdomen, you'd go through the skull, you'd do it all. And you get to see live with your own eyes what the body looks like directly in front of you. Pro sections, what they are, are again, it's donated bodies yeah, again. But it's so in human dissections, you have the whole body intact, mm. and you, when you start, you start with a what you call like a intact body from the beginning, and you yeah. cut the ribs, you will open up slowly from the skin. From the skin, yeah. Pro section is an arm, a limb, a chest, kind of yeah. cut into pieces already. And then you kind of study the anatomy, study yeah. the muscles, you study the blood vessels, but it's not a human body. Yeah, so yeah, so pro sections have been prepared for you yeah. to just sort of fold yeah. over and look so around. I think there's pros mm-hmm. and cons to both. Um, so yeah, for me personally, right, uh, which one did I enjoy? I enjoyed dissection, the human side of it, to directly get a feel of, it made me feel like a surgeon, True. to see what it's like to directly go through the layers. Mm. But obviously, you can imagine at that stage, I was very junior. Um, my ability to use a scalpel and cut f- finely mm. through, see what nerves look like, is very immature at that stage. Um, so, pro section at the time was nicely labeled. Mm. They actually colored and stained the arteries, the veins. Mm. So, for me personally, learning wise, I thought um, pro section was better because that way I could learn mm. better. But skills-wise, yeah. in terms of being able to hold a scalpel, being able to finally dissect, mm. um, and the whole experience also reinforced my pro-section learning. So pro-section is more like my visual element. Mm. I remember what I see, I remember what I saw, um, and could recall that, recall what the artery looked like, where it ran, how it mm. ran through, where the nerves were. And I think the experience of being able to dissect, to find that nerve that I saw, Reinforces. Let's reinforces it. Um, so I think it's such a privilege. It's an honour um, to be able to use mm. um, a donated body for your education mm. to then serve once you're a doctor. Um, what about you? What did you think of? I, think I enjoyed human dissections, mm-hmm. especially imagine you're you're at eighteen, nineteen, or very young, and it's the first time. You know, there's a dead body in front of you. You've never probably seen a dead body, and yeah. more so, you're cutting into this dead body. And I remember cracking open the ribs, yeah, exposing the sternum, the rib cage, and then what you do, you go through the skin, the fat, the muscles, identify mm-hmm. the blood vessels. But more than that, do you know what? I remember. Do you remember? So these bodies are preserved in what you call formaldehyde, and formaldehyde is a very potent it smells really bad and it yeah. kind of stains your clothes remember mm, you're not allowed mm, to eat there you had to wear the lab coats mm, you're not allowed to get contact lenses because it goes behind your eyes yeah 
but the smell was just like a pungent, very foul smell, and it takes a while because yeah. as soon as you enter the room the first time, you feel a bit lightheaded and dizzy. And I still remember, and I didn't like that section because of the smell. It just makes me feel a bit like it just stuck with you. Yeah. And the whole day used to smell like you've been in that section, and you smell like formaldehyde. And there are always people one every dissection every time. There's always one or two person that kind of fades or fades and collapses. You see a dead body yeah. cracking open ribs, mm-hmm. and it smells it's pungent. But in terms of medical school, I think it's a massive honor to be able yeah. to have done human dissections because you get to do something that not every medical mm-hmm. student gets to do. You And it's fair credit to all the people that kind of donate their body for science and research yeah. and for the next generation of doctors. But it is a very good learning tool, especially for surgeons. Remember, a lot yeah, of people yeah. that are training to be surgeons, they come back as demonstrators. As a demonstrator, and, yeah. You know, you're learning on the real thing. And medicine is a practical vocation yeah you know what it was actually also a scare and going back to my first sort of encounter you're right it was a very scary mm. um, encounter at first because I've personally not seen a dead body like that in front of me mm. so to see s- someone completely dead in front of you mm. that came as a shock mm. then you said the element of the smell so yeah. formaldehyde is a compound a, a fluid that's used to preserve the body so you can imagine how toxic it is because it kills yeah. all yeah. bacteria and everything from uh, causing the decay of the body um, so you're right adding those two things in and then the idea of cutting through skin opening a rib cage cutting through the skull mm. um, that was tr- it was traumatic and it was, it was it was scary at that time I remember mm. um, it's a surreal right. experience you mm. know you have this dead body in front of you and what they do in the beginning so you have this intact preserved body and they show you the face yeah. So it's in terms of a sign of respect, and then you cover the face with a cloth. Um, but I did realize, and if you speak to a lot of people that have done human dissections, after a while you become very desensitized, Mm-mm-mm-mm. and it's very easy to kind of forget the fact that this is a human body. This person was alive in one moment mm-hmm. in time, and you then you just see it as a bunch of organs, skin, muscle, fat, blood vessels. Um, so it's very you become very desensitized very quickly. But then I think, well, one, I think doctors in general become very desensitized anyway um, over time because you've seen the same stuff. So pain or bleeding out to the average person may be like, oh my God, you're bleeding. Mm-mm-mm. Whereas for us, because we've seen it a lot and we kind of can differentiate between a lot of loss of blood Mm-mm-mm. and minimal blood loss. So there is always that concept of you becoming desensitized. We, we, whilst we're on that topic about desensitization, right, um, we need to be careful. I think mm. as all medical students, all doctors, everyone, we need to all... So what I do, especially at work, is how would I want my own family, mm. my own mother, my own grandmother, mm. my own brother, my own mm. uncle, how would I want them to be treated? It's important. If you keep that in mind... Um, you'll see that your the way you deal with it changes. Sure, when we see someone with a huge laceration across, mm. let's say, their forehead, they're obviously in agony, they're scared they're going to die. We know that's a stable wound that would probably need to be just mm. stitched up. Um, just some words. If that was your, let's say, your mother, and as a doctor you just told them, look, this is what's going to happen, this is what we're going to do, you'll find that they won't be yeah. that distressed and it helps you. Um, and in the life and death situation, again... Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a whole episode we need to talk think, about yeah. desensitization and how to remain objective as a doctor mm. whilst also at the same time having empathy mm, mm, mm. Um, 
But yeah, I think that would be quite you interesting. just opened up a huge can of worms on episode five, man. Yeah, no, I think it would be good to kind of talk about, you know, how the the public perceive doctors yeah. and how mm-hmm. we as doctors feel or, you know, yeah. our day to day. But I think we can save that for a bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about med school lectures. We've talked about the amazing opportunity and the massive learning potential from yeah. human dissections. Yep. Um, and I think to end off, I know we, we promised we're going to be talking about insecurities. Um, and I've, I know this is something that's quite close to your heart and something that you wanted to kind of talk about. Um, it was one of the questions that was actually submitted to us as well. Mm. I think university is a time where um, insecurities play a huge factor mm. in how one fits in. Mm. Right. Um, I think one of the questions that was submitted was specifically with um, how you looked. Mm. Right. And let's be honest, in this day and age, right, where we've got social media mm. and we've got all of these sort of everything's based on how you look. Mm. Right. A lot of things are based on how you look and a lot of things is being just sort of put in front of us through so many different media streams about how we look and how we should be and what's perfect, what's not perfect. Um, and going back to that, so that comes back to my own personal insecurity about how I looked and how you sent me home that day, yeah. right? I was so insecure about how I looked, about my jacket not matching my boots, mm. right? That you made me insecure, yeah. by the way, yeah? You. I apologise. Yeah? You apologise now. You didn't apologise yeah. till this podcast. I didn't know it would hit you that out. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, yeah, so what it did was it sort of really sort of inflamed my uh, insecurity about how I looked and then it just it was like a domino effect I had no confidence because I, I then had no confidence to how can I talk to the people that I don't really know I've only got to know them for a couple of days mm. um, I feel I feel like everyone's looking at me and so forth mm. that's why I went home and never came back um, you, know, you never came back for the day you came back the, the next morning yeah. though you're making me sound like a villain these people are going to end up hating me <laughs> cool I went home for the day. Yeah. Bro, I missed six lectures because of you. That's and I didn't miss one. I was missing six right. lectures. Is it's the end of the world for a lot of people. <laughs> Anyways, going back to insecurities and going back to that question that someone asked me, how do you deal with it? I think the first thing you need to do is become aware that you've got that specific insecurity. Mm. Right? And then I was, before recording this, I was also looking at how do others sort of get on top of their insecurities. And one of the recommended ways was become aware of it and then use it to channel that positive energy right you do an activity do something that channels that insecurity so insecurity with regards to um, how you look what, what, what we found is that a lot of people started to take up exercise mm. and just generally felt good about themselves mm. if you eat healthy you start feeling good about yourselves um, but I think my personal bit was once I became aware of it it became like I need to sort of challenge that insecurity bit like cbt Mm. what's your thought what's your thought process what do you think Mm. is it true so is it true that my boots didn't match my jacket yeah was that true i can't remember but i'm sure they didn't know me i'm joking but it was a whole gym remember it was the gym (laughs) thing as well i'm still quite skinny but you are very like and you had that whole i remember you saying insecurity with like weights and um and I think that was one of the main factors as mm-hmm. to why you joined gym. And if people that follow you on yeah, yeah, Instagram yeah. will always see you always make time for gym and after yourself yeah. and healthy lifestyle and healthy I, diet. Exactly. So I think that's what it is. So once you realize you've got an insecurity, you can channel it to then try and sort of 
get on top of it. So going into university, I think everyone is a little bit scared, right? We're thinking, are people going to like me? Are people going to um, engage with me? Are they going to talk to me? Are they going to share their notes with me? Um, how am I going to make friends? It's a very different environment. And going back to that concept of channel and challenge, right? So challenge that thought of he's not going to like me, she's not going to like me. Um, how are they going to respond to me saying hello and introducing myself? And what you'd find that in university, everyone thinks like that. Everyone thinks that. So I think if you go up to someone, introduce yourself, say who you are, you're studying the same course, make friends, get into circles. Um, I think one particular problem that can develop is that the first few weeks of uni, I think everyone starts to form their social circles. I see. And once they're set, they're set. Quite hard it's to hard break to... into your breakouts of yeah. Exactly. It's hard to break into a different circle because they're all friends now, they're all going out, they're all doing whatever they're That's doing. True. Um, so I think in the first few weeks of university, really get out there, introduce yourself, get to know everyone. Um, and that way you'll find that university is a lot more enjoyable. Um, and finally, going back to that question of what about your own personal insecurity about how you look or how you sound or what have you. Just again, challenge it. So if you, if you feel that you, you, you're very insecure about how you look, Use that energy to go to the gym, to eat healthy, to feel good about yourself, and then challenge it. So your insecurity is, mm. I look weird, so someone might not like me. Well, do what you need to do to feel healthy, to feel good about yourself. Find what it is that makes you feel positive, and then challenge it. Go and introduce yourself. Mm. Go and challenge yourself in that environment that you're scared of. Put yourself in there. Mm. Um, there's nothing to be scared of. There's nothing to lose at all. And that's my number one bit of advice about that. Um, if you do have any questions particularly about that at all, mm. um, feel free to email us, drop us a comment. Um, we're ha more than happy to reply and sort of give our points of views. Um, so that's that. What about you? Any insecurities? Um, so the only piece of advice I can say in terms of insecurities I would say mm. Don't just feel you are the only person with insecurity. I'm sure exactly. everyone has the insecurities. For some, it may be their background, it may be the way they're brought up, it mm -hmm. may be the way they look, the way they're dressed. I think I generally think everyone does have the insecurities. Mm. You know, your one may not be the same as mine, and exactly. mine may not be the same as the next person. Um, but we all do have insecurities, and they maybe if it is something that we can work on we should work on it yeah. but i don't think it should ever be a reason as to why it stops us from enjoying med school from enjoying university mm -hmm. it stops mm -hmm. us from making friends um and perhaps you know i'm not an expert on insecurities but Neither. i would just like to say from my end is a lot of people have them we all have it so don't just for you are the only person um mm. and hopefully it is something and i do hope that everyone that does have them can overcome them because we all do have yeah. it. I have some, you have some. Exactly. Sure everyone, everyone out there does. will have some of them. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, I don't really know how much to add. Um, I think we now need to give our viewers their golden nuggets yeah. um, for the applicants mm. and for those that are looking forward and for those mm. that are actually going into med school opens in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, They're going to be starting fresh soon, to be fair, yeah. yeah. So go on then. Um, three pieces of advice I say it's you're about to start medical school for the people that mm -hmm. are or the people that are applying um enjoy it mm -hmm. 
you feel that first year is the most important year and then you get to second year and you realise oh first year didn't matter <laughs> and the second year and then second year you think of third and you know they said it to us when we were pre-med clinical mm. you have a lot of time so you yeah. utilise that time because as soon as you start working you're on an on-call rosa and me and Ams we've just been running non-stop yeah, um, so you do have time so utilise your time find out the best way you um, learn the best environment you learn how you best revise mm. and exploit that so take time finding out how you learn and study and the third thing I would say immerse yourself in university life it will be a shame for you to mm-hmm. have left university in general just with a degree you want to have achieved other things and I think we mentioned that before get involved in societies engage with other people make sure the only thing that you haven't left medical school with or university is with just certificate there is a lot of potential. You can do amazing things at university. It's one of the reasons as to why I encourage everyone with higher education. So I'd say those are the three yeah. things I would advise. I think I'm going to leave it with just one and on that last bit. Because mm. that was, what you just said is the number one, I think, the best piece of advice we received mm. about don't leave university with just your degree. Um, and otherwise the same things as what you said. Prepare well for what you've got coming test yourself in terms of what works for you what doesn't work for you everyone is different and then immerse yourself enjoy it um and that's about it really yeah and remember with insecurities i say channel the energy and then challenge what the issue is Mm. that's about Um, it so thank you once again for all the people that have been tuning in every week and giving us an immense amount of support and love we do appreciate it we hope to continue this further Make sure you like, you comment, you subscribe and tell all your friends and families about it. But for today, we're going to wrap up. That's it. And we'll see you next week. See you then.